Hello and welcome to episode 52 of Songs from a Padded Envelope. My name is Steve and I'm here with co-host Ben. Hello, Ben. Hey there, Steve. It's been a while. It's been a long while, hasn't it? Oh, yeah, what have we been doing? <laughs> well, that would be telling too much, wouldn't it? <laughs> suffice, to, <laughs> suffice to say we've been really, really busy. Flat out. Flat <laughs> uh, our guest for this episode is Jonathan Steele, who spoke to us from his home in Benghazi, Libya. It's taken us a while to finally speak with Jonathan, but Ben, it was worth the wait. It was, and you did say Benghazi, Libya, didn't you? I that's did. Gonna, that's going to give the listener a good clue to this is going to be a, a really unique listen for people, isn't it? And like you say, it did take a good a good few attempts to get the conversation with Jonathan together and it was solid gold wasn't it well yeah that's the word I wrote down to for this intro is unique it is a unique episode in many ways but there's a lot of the usual themes but very very different experiences of them uh that Jonathan has yeah I mean like you say it, it, you know we found throughout these 52 conversations that we've had with people that there's an enormous amount of commonality for musicians um wherever they are located in the world and this did you know this the conversation for me for us I think for the listener will real sort of reaffirm the the vitality and the life force and importance of music and music making but in a completely different perspective to anything that people have heard from from our show so far. Yeah, there's aspects of this conversation which will live long in my memory. Yeah, I think it re- it's an episode that kind of stayed in my head for longer than any other conversation we've had, pretty much. Yeah, and I think if you, it's going to really, it's really made me reflect, and I hope will make other people reflect that if you are someone who is making music and and you've got you feel like there are personal obstacles to your music making, then listen to this conversation <laughs> with Jonathan and uh, and reappraise it in a completely different light. Yeah, and that's not to be flippant about it either, is it? That's abs- it's absolutely true. Yeah. Because, um. Uh. And and that's that's sort of reinforced by the way. Jonathan tells his stories um, and talks about the importance of music for him. And we were talking earlier before we came to do this, this uh, record, this introduction about um, Jonathan talks about sort of detail uh, strings and pickups and, um, and ordinarily you might, you know, think that that is maybe not of, particular importance or it might be getting a little bit too uh, nerding out a little bit but actually they are precious and important and and it framed it all in a very different way for me yeah yeah he wants to talk about what strings are on his guitar quite right too yeah yeah and we were and we were happy to let him do that weren't we oh yeah you know especially yeah. especially given the genre of music that he's making which is uh, has a penchant for indulgence around those type of things as well well, you know, I love a bit of passion around metal, <laughs> yeah. as you know. And has it made you want to go and re- revisit some some uh, Sabbath? About <laughs> Sabbath quite a lot, didn't he? It did. He, he did. Yeah, it really did. Yeah, that was his. That's his, his sort of calling card, wasn't it? This is where this is where my musical journey began, and rightly so. 
Oh, there's so much in this conversation that is brilliant. I'm just remembering back to his the, sort of his formative music listening stuff and the, the conversations he's had about where where he got his music from and uh, and all of that. And honestly, this is such a great this is such a great listen. And also, you know, tip of the hat to Jonathan for bigging up Man of War on the episode because that doesn't happen very often. Yeah, you were um, ve- you were very happy about that. I was like, how did I didn't know Steve was a big Man of War fan? Not not a big not a big fan, you know, but respect. Have you got <laughs> Man of War. Hey, in one of the few my my few appearances on television playing music i was wearing a man of war t-shirt were you really okay. yes but not, not a man of war uh, loincloth i've never i don't think i've ever worn a loin, loincloth <laughs> unless unless someone else knows different drop us an email <laughs> Uh, uh, thanks to Jonathan for coming on the show. It's a brilliant conversation. I'm really excited to be sharing this one. Um, and for for our first episode of the new year, um, it is a really great one. Do check out the links to Jonathan's work um, at the in the show notes. Um, with a great run of guests coming up too, so subscribe to the pod and help us out with a five star review and tell your friends to log off the true crime for a bit and give the niche musical interest genre a go. Yeah, let's do that. So, and uh, on that note, let's go over to episode 52 of Songs from a Padded Envelope with Jonathan Steele. Okay, uh, I'm Jonathan Steele from the band Jonathan Steele. I'm the one-man band, you can say. I program the drums, I compose the guitar, and I ask my friends for, uh, like... Uh, for help like uh, uh, one of my friends can compose the orchestra I need uh, special guests and solos like that you know uh, so uh, my uh, my first song which is Father uh, you can guess like it's for my father <laughs> yeah uh, that one composed after his past his passing away when he passed away in 2015 and was really emotional one uh, the first album is like 10 years of composing like you know trial and error to learning stuff and finally I got to meet my friend the producer his name is Suhail he lives he moved now in um, he's in Quebec Canada he moved there with his family he's the producer I trust like with all my guts yeah i've I've recorded uh, my two albums in one single there yeah so uh uh, it took me a while to be brave enough to record an ep at first and uh, then i just continued to record and wrath wrath is kind of yeah from its name wrath (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, it's a concept album, yeah. Nine, uh, nine, uh, <clears throat> we call it nine level descendants or something like that. Nine guys. Uh, it's uh, a concept album from the uh, the story uh, Dante's Inferno, if you know it. Yeah, yeah, it talks about that one. So nine levels of hell. Every level got its story and stuff like that. So a concept album. Uh, what's hard about concept album is you gotta make all the album 
melodies, riffs related to one another. Yeah, yeah, it was hard composing one year and a half, recording and recording in two weeks max, maybe ten days. Oh my god! That, I mean, that's that's a it's an epic undertaking just to make a concept album in in that way. But, but then to have Dante's Inferno as the subject matter for it as well, and to to marry those two things and do what you just described yep. in that amount of time. Uh, <laughs> it was hard. Amazing, amazing. Well, I guess we'll talk a little bit more about that as we go go along. I love I love the fact you're talking about the kind of ten year gestation of the of the album. Can you kind of, if you track back, can you kind of pinpoint the first moment at which that album began, the kind of first seed of it? Well, I've recorded a like a demo EP in my house with the what can I say, a Fender Strat, which is not for metal art. <laughs> at all. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I've recorded like you know like bunch of songs here and there uh the drums was recorded with a drum machine uh the drum machine was included in the multi-effect like you know zoom seven or seven yeah it was there so it was a not a nice experience <laughs> to record that demo ap but i got my ideas together and then um, when i showed my my producer like what do you think of this? He said, like, we will remake it. Jonathan, we're just going to backtrack a little bit, but um, on on your Bandcamp page, it's, uh, it says that you're a guitarist from Libya. So could you tell listeners where you're speaking to us from, from tonight? Well, I'm speaking from Benghazi, Libya. I'm the main city. Yeah, and uh, the district called... I call it FND, so it's not an FND, yeah, but yeah, it's not an abbreviation I use <laughs> for my foreign friends, yeah. Okay. What does the what does the abbreviation stand for? Well, are you ready to hear it? Yeah, <laughs> we're, we're ready. <laughs> well, it's called all uh, the Fendic, like the Fendic. So I call it Fendig Nation of Destruction. <laughs> the FND. <laughs> I mean, it sounds like a concept album as well, actually. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Is that where you're from originally, Benghazi? Yep. Yeah. Uh, and you were saying when just before when we came on the that just before we started recording that you've just moved back uh from from tripoli is that right yeah because there was a war here in 2014 and i i uh i lost my home which is the one i'm in here yeah and i went there to tripoli to start from zero or below zero you can say i lost all my guitars and studio and everything yeah so i started there again and started to collect the gear like buying guitars and stuff i walked in many fields like uh, and uh, painting uh, 
very heavy stuff and everything. Yeah, I worked in an account, uh, as an accountant. <clears throat> I worked as an English translator, as a music teacher. Yeah, as a fitness trainer. What else? Yeah, many. <laughs> and now I'm working as a maintenance uh, engineer for POS, for POS machines in the, in the financial service company. Jonathan, when you said you, you lost your house and your studio, I can't pass over that without asking you for a bit more detail. What, what happened? There was a war between the West and East. Like 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 Warlock said in the eighties, when East meets West, yeah. So there was war, and uh, the war came like to our district, and we couldn't stay here for a while because uh, like missiles and stuff, you no know, bullets from everywhere were going <clears throat> from the windows, so we couldn't stay. Uh, we ran away from the district and uh, the next day I just went to Tripoli to my uncle's there, stayed there for a while until I stood up on my feet again with my family and we rented the house. Yeah, for maybe five years. So the war is over here and when I got back home, it was destroyed, a little bit destroyed, not much, but yeah, I didn't, I didn't find anything of my gear, my clothes, anything in the house was all just destroyed. So you literally had to pack up and leave in the moment in exactly. to, to, to save your lives. Exactly. I was dodging bullets from, uh, from over my head. Like I was literally... I'm sorry for the for the gore picture you're gonna I'm, I'm gonna paint in your heads now, but I was uh, skipping corpses, like running away. It wasn't a pleasant experience, but it was an experience. Yeah, it was something to remind yourself with when you get older and be in peace and yeah. This is peace. <laughs> you you mentioned when you started that story that you started working to replace the things that you'd lost, you know, to buy your exactly your guitars yeah. and to. I mean, that speaks to how important your music is to you, I, I guess. Um, well, you can you can call me as an addict. I can't, yeah, I can't spend the day without touching a string, <laughs> like. Uh, play a jam over blues backing tracks, my favorite rock or metal. I love jazz. Uh, I play Beethoven and Bach. Yeah, so I'm kind of addicted to this, which is a sweet addiction. <laughs> yeah, we've, uh, you know, we've, I think Steve and I have known each other for a long time. We've played music together for many, many years and, and listened to music. And we've often said that we feel like music has saved our, saved our lives on many occasions. Would you say that music has been a savior for you too? Well, mentally, yeah. 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 And uh, I gained a lot of friends, good friends in music, in, like in music field. Yeah. It was a, uh, it was amazing to meet such friends 
they were music friends and now they are best friends like brothers it seems to be a common experience when we've been speaking to people on the podcast that that's one of the one of the byproducts of playing music with other people is the strength of the friendships that can that can come about from that um and and i don't think we've really spent a lot of time thinking about why that might be because we just accept it as being that's the case you know mm. we just take oh. it for granted that that oh, um, it's only a fact yeah yeah <laughs> it, it 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 really is it, it's really true but i guess uh, there's um there's something about uh, when making music with some with with people, and if you get on with that person musically, you've already opened up to them. Exactly. Yeah, you you share common things like uh, you share the, your favorite bands, for example, or I love Black Sabbath. Really, I love them too. Which album? And you start talking for hours. Yeah. Like endlessly. Yeah. Uh, which guitar did you buy first when you started replacing your equipment? Is it one of the ones behind you? No, 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 no. Wait a minute. It's, it's the one. It's one of my favorite. I I recently uh, changed its pickups too to Fishman Florence, Modern Florence, Keith Merrow signature pickups. Like, uh, <laughs> uh, something custom. This one. Oh, I love it. Well, there you go. I love it. Nice. It's an Indonesian, I guess. Uh, yeah, Indonesian company called Shredder. If you can see it. Yeah. Called Shredder. Shredder, yeah. Excellent. It's a, it's a custom made that with the skull embedded in it. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, and the pickups are uh, uh, Fishman Fluence, Keith Merrow, Keith Merrow custom uh, uh, signature pickups. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it has. And has a, a G G H G H S strings. I think the gauge is heavy. As hell, I hope so. And like, wait, it's ten sixty. This is the kind of detail we like. Oh, <laughs> like, and and it's not in standard tuning. It's uh, in, in open day. B. Open no, B. no, 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 okay. no. Open B. Like when you when you hit the open strings, you will hear the B ninth at B. Yeah, B ninth, minor ninth. Ben's writing okay. it down to try well, it. Well, come on, you know you'll be trying it tomorrow. I will. As well. I will. <laughs> to be fair, I will. <laughs> this is what this is what I'm using for recording my third album. This is I'm I'm recording the third album now. Fantastic! I'm having I'm having about yeah eight songs. Three of them with this tuning is the the weird evil tuning. I'm calling it the so, weird evil tuning. Yeah, yeah. See, it's, it's when you play this tuning, like you have to learn the guitar again. Yeah, it's not the yeah, it's not the same chords you you you're making before. It's like. No, no, it's not that chord. No, no. Oh, this is the chord. <laughs> Something like that. I was uh, I was talking with my nephew the other week and he was saying he wanted to start learning guitar and he wanted some recommendations on guitars. And I was talking about the relationship that develops between yourself and an instrument. You know, that kind of uh, 
almost treating it like another human being. Is that something that hits the spot for you? Yeah. Well, uh, I'm uh, I'm taking care of my instruments really well. I like, for example, I have a rack here of my of three of three guitars, two Yamahas and uh, Pacifica, one square square Fender Fender Square, and I'm covering them from the dust. <laughs> yeah, I'm cleaning them like I'm. Not, I can't say daily, but every week I'm taking the guitars out and cleaning and checking them. Yeah, like my children. I even name them, yeah. One is Blaze and the other is Grace. And the one you saw now is Hades. Oh, yeah. My favorite. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. That is. But can you can yeah. you kind of think back to when you were younger as to where your interest in music, this passion, where it stems from? Are you from a musical family? No. No, my cousin, my cousin just uh, started listening to Black Sabbath. And uh, he said, like, uh, try to listen to this music. I wasn't into music a lot. I was like, really like, okay, I've listened to Black Sabbath. First album was Virtual, no, Cross Purposes. Yeah, the first song was Virtual Death. Now I was hooked. <laughs> then I've listed the whole album and uh, then started Black Sabbath, George Priest, a Man of War, a little bit of Iron Maiden. Uh, then I jumped to, to death metal and black metal and extreme metal. And then I jumped back, hard rock, glam, sleaze. And I was like, oh, there's blues. Wait a minute. <laughs> Get back to blues and jazz and classical. Yeah, that was it. Like So how old are you when you're when you when you get the uh, the, the, the Black Sabbath from your cousin? Is it your cousin you said? Yeah, my cousin. Yeah, I think about twelve. It's perfect age. Yeah. It's perfect age for it, isn't it? Just coming into your teenage yeah. years yeah. and Along comes, exactly. along comes Ozzy, Uncle Ozzy. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, I've, I've listened to Black Sabbath uh, a lot. Like the, the Black Sabbath, Black Sabbath album was my favorite. And then when I heard, when I heard Dio, like singing in Black Sabbath, I was hooked. Like, oh my God, that angelic voice. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I like that you that you mentioned uh, Man of War in there as well because they don't get enough uh, they don't get name checked <laughs> enough. I don't. I think Man of War a little bit underrated. No, Man of War. No, Man of War are my favorite. Maybe maybe they're repeating themselves long long along the years, singing maybe the same theme lyrics, but it's what's they stand out like that. Do they still they're exist? Are they still around? Hell yeah, baby! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, still man of warlords. <laughs> how how easy was it to uh, get those records in Libya as a as a as a young man? How easy was it getting hold of stuff? Well, there was a shop here called 
shop. Here we are. The man's called Talal. Talal, yeah. That one is is bringing uh, the music from, um, I think, from Malta. Uh, bringing the cassettes and CDs in the in the late nineties. And then uh, we were going like, what's the new band you got now? It's like, uh, I got this. I got Pantera. I got Slayer. I got Black Sabbath. I got, oh, really? When it was kind of pricey, like the cassette would cost like 40, maybe 50. Yeah, so we get one cassette for six months. We milk that cassette. Oh, yeah. Come on. Milk it. <laughs> you know, like listen to every song hundreds of times. Yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> there's, there's something so special about that, isn't there? In indulging music to that degree because you have to. Yeah. Exactly. When you, when, 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 when you get like, for example, when first time I got the death cassette, it was a symbolic album. I was reading the lyrics with structure and like he was singing. I was, I was amazed. Yeah. There is lyrics in the cassette. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> is, uh, is, yeah. is Talal still, still around? Does he still have his record shop? Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. It's good. Oh yeah. But after all, we got the internet and no more to laugh. Sure, sure. Yeah, I just, yeah. I was just wondering if he has, if he's now stocking your music in his shop. Well, I can't say that because Libyans are not interested in such music. Right. Maybe, maybe there's a friend who's got a music store, uh, an instrumental store. I fix his guitars. Uh, I make demos for his guitars as well. For the customers to buy, yeah, he got my albums there. But Talal, no, he doesn't know me at all. Oh no, he does. Has he not heard your music? Because obviously, he's a he's oh. a big he's he's a big influence on the fact that you're making music. Yeah, exactly. But no, he doesn't know my music because uh, I'm spreading my music out there. You know, like in Europe, USA. Canada, yeah, not Libya. They they don't know metal. Not not many. Right. How how big would the metal scene be in Benghazi then? How many people would there be in that scene? This much. For the listener, that's a very <laughs> tiny amount. Is indicating there. <laughs> Most of them say like we are metalheads. We listen to music, listen to to metal, and when you ask them about their favorite band. They say corn. That's disappointing, isn't it? <laughs> really? <laughs> no, it's not music. Wait a minute. Where's the Black Sabbath? Of that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tell me that your favorite song is the last in line. Indeed, I'll, I'll be happy. <laughs> so, so how do you make the jump from listening to metal to to playing music? I was amazed by. Uh, do you album lock up the wolves? Because uh, the guitarist, I read the story that the guitarist age was 16. And I was 16. I was like, what the hell? I can do that too. And I wanted that. 
So I got the first guitar from my dad's friend. It was a classical guitar. I, I tried to learn riffs and stuff. The first song was uh, Electric Funeral by Black Sabbath. <laughs> yeah, that was the first song. <laughs> and then maybe some ACDC, Aerosmith, you know, like ACDC was, I think I was a big gun. Big gun by ACDC yeah. and then Aerosmith, Dream On. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, and then I jumped from that to Battery, Black Metal directly. No kidding. <laughs> <laughs> On a classical guitar. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and then I got my first electric guitar, 2003. And then the journey begins to compose. I think Farewell, one of my songs is called Farewell. I composed it in 2007, maybe. I mean, I composed the first riff, you know, the whole idea, and then kicked away. And I tried to, yeah, then I tried to record it and fail and error, you know. And have you got so, have you got other friends that you're playing with at this point, or is it a solo journey for you? The learning and the putting your music together is that all? No, no, no I was alone. Yeah, it was a lonely road. <laughs> like there, there was no one like learning music or learning guitar. You know, so I was learning alone throughout the years. You meet someone like, you, you play music? Yeah, I play music. And he grabs his classical guitar and plays some flamenco. Yeah. No, that's not my music. We need metal music. <laughs> <laughs> what about um, what about drummers or uh, um, vocalists? Is there no other, no well, other metal bands I'm... around or, or no scene at all that you could go and watch people play or hook up with other musicians? No. No scene at all. Wow, I don't God, think. I, I mean, yeah. I can't imagine it. I, I, I genuinely can't imagine. And we've t- that's been a kind of common thread of the podcast talking to people is is that formative experience of of you know finding pockets of people who are like minded in your in in your community. But for you, those people weren't weren't there at all. No, no, you, you can't. You just can't find a a small gig in a cafe. For example, two guitars, one keyboard, and a vocalist and a bass guitar. No, no, you can't find that. Yeah, or someone who plays uh, an acoustic and singing in a cafe or no. So I met all my friends online and Tripoli, <clears throat> the ones I made the collaborations with. Yeah, they are from Tripoli mostly. One of them or two from Benghazi. And they're playing solo. They're playing alone. Like me in the house. The scene in Tripoli would be it would be small as well for, for metal scene there. Like bigger than Benghazi by zero point zero one percent. Yeah. Which is good. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh so um can you tell us about your first experience of seeing metal life have you been you know the sort of have you been able to see many shows well let me tell you this the first the first concert i went to was 2013 in prague i went there to visit a friend and there was a bon jovi 
I was like, oh my God, <laughs> let's do this. <laughs> yeah, it was only Bon Jovi and I couldn't, I couldn't attend the Dream Theater because my visa was about to expire. No. Yeah, that was only one concert. Was that a stadium gig? Yeah, 2013. Uh, it was in June. 24th of june that must have been amazing yeah and it was raining by the way oh yeah oh hell yeah <laughs> <laughs> it was raining <laughs> i loved that one yeah i have you know like great memories with it he sang a lot of songs one of them is my favorite wanted dead or alive oh yeah yeah he sang that i was like oh my god you're the best <laughs> 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 I remember going to see Bon Jovi at Wembley Stadium um, in like the the mid nineties, and they start. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, it was uh, had to go, and uh, they started with "Living on a Prayer," which I couldn't believe they started with it, and then went straight into "You Give Love a Bad Name." The first two songs. It's like, what are you doing to me? And this is going to be like a three-hour show. I, I, I can go now. I can oh, leave now. <laughs> you know, I can die yeah, now. <laughs> I can go. You've done those two tunes. Um, yeah. Have you had a chance to travel a lot then, uh, much, uh, to travel much, Jonathan? No, no, not much. I went to Turkey, like a transit, you know, like for three days maybe. I didn't like Turkey at all. Uh, I went to Czech Republic. I went to Poland. Germany, Amsterdam, uh, yeah, maybe that's it. I have friends all over, but I'm just visiting for one or two days, maybe three days max, and then. But I stayed in Czech, Czech Republic in Prague for maybe thirty days or so. So those those connections that you have with people that you've made online uh, and collaborating with people online, music making with people. Um, uh, that, I mean, they must be really important connections for you. And, and, and are you collaborating on other people's music as well as asking people to come and play on yours? Well, to be honest, the first the first collaboration, I, I really asked people to join me. And the rest, no, I didn't ask them. They asked me, like, can we join your club, your next one? I was like, oh, yeah, huh. you can do that. So, and, and the collaborations... um. Maybe uh, the the three, the first, the first fourth, maybe that fourth ones, four ones. Uh, the the first one I was I, I I composed the whole thing. The second one, the producer composed the whole thing, and the rest was all me. Like we made one with Egypt too. Has there ever been a temptation for you to um, to leave your homeland, to leave Libya, and to go somewhere where you where there is uh, a scene that you could be playing live in and making music in that sort of way? I was, I am, I still, I will leave this shit hole. And is making music like a, the 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 way that you want to do that? No, no, I'm making music for my. For for the for the sake of music, for the love of music, yeah. I love music. Yeah, but it's not a way to get out. 
Yeah, I search for other ways to get out. Like making music to get out? Nah. That's not working. Right. How much does the are the difficulties that um that that you've faced living in Libya, how much of that has found its way into your music when you're composing? <clears throat> Every single second of it. Oh, yeah. Every drum snare. Every kick. Like, every solo there. <laughs> yeah, like, um, I don't complain over Facebook or making a post, complaining about anything. I complain via music. My strings. Like, when you hear me playing blues, so I'm feeling blues. When you hear me playing rock, so kind of like upbeat. I'm good. So I'm expressing myself through strings, which is good for me. Whenever I'm mad, I'm, for example, I fought with someone or I had screaming with someone, I get in the room, I plug the guitar and start jamming, play anything, riffing or do anything. And after an hour or two, I'm good. It's like a therapy. Yeah, it's like a therapy for sure. Yeah. It's very it's very humbling to hear you talk about the experiences that you've been through and I can't um I can't quite you know we, we've you know we have we've found ourselves in very fortunate situations that we've never we've never been in a country where our lives have been under physical threat and I can't imagine the impact that has on you uh mentally and you know to have the fortitude to kind of to to go on the journey that you've that you've done to to go to, you know to have to leave your city under fear of your life and then to come back and to be making music again with such strength it's it's so it's very humbling well it's yeah it's it, there is a war in my mind in every musician's mind like do I need to do this or nah? Like skip it. Tomorrow, tomorrow, and tomorrow, and the next week. No, uh, I don't do that. I wake up in the morning, for example, or I plan my day in the night and say like, tomorrow I'm gonna make a video. Hmm. A video about what? I don't know. Like tomorrow, there there will be a video. I, I will be uploading a video. Yeah. Then I started searching for backing tracks, and if I like the idea, okay, if I don't, uh, I make my own drum loop. For example, one minute of drums, and I play riffs over it. Uh, I record myself, edit the video, upload it. You feel like victorious after that. You made a to-do list, and you did it, which is good. So I love to do that. And sometimes I feel really lazy, like I stay in, in this chair and watch a movie. <laughs> <laughs> you feel lazy sometimes, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Can you tell us a little bit about the uh, reactions that there's been to your music, you know, sharing it online? Um, how has that been for you, sharing your music with people around the world? Well... My, uh, I'm sure in most of my music, Bandcamp, like official releases, and most of my videos on my Facebook, 
profile, like the personal profile, you know. I I upload like bluesy stuff, uh, rock stuff, like something they usually hear around and you know like here and there. But when I upload something serious, like a death metal riff, most people are shocked. Like, no, that's not your style. What are you doing? <laughs> they don't know. <laughs> They don't hear, they don't listen to my official releases. They don't know them. Maybe if I can say the 2K I have over Facebook, maybe 50 like heard my music. The only 50. The rest are from uh, like Bandcamp. Some just, some about my music, both my last album. And, uh, and some are listening to it, like from, there's a guy from Amsterdam, he's a friend now, he wanted me to play some solos over, over his, like, album, after he listened to mine, yeah, so it's kind of connecting to people around the world with the music, and some Russian hackers, like, got my, my album, and they uploaded over the the website. I was happy. Like, oh, okay. you got it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you got it. <laughs> well done, guys. <laughs> you you were talking earlier about the your relationship with your producer. How did that? Can you tell us a bit more about that? How did that come together? Who 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 is the producer, and uh, how did that relationship begin? Oh, that man. He's. Uh... He's an amazing man. He's an amazing friend. He's called Suhail. He's from Tripoli originally. He lived a while in uh, in France. He got his master's degree in French, like French language. And he's addicted to music. Like he's really addicted. He's got about 25 guitars. All of them are custom shops and stuff, you know, like these geeks, yeah. Two campers and stuff like this, you know what I mean? <laughs> So he's really into music, and he and he's in death metal, like brutal death metal. He listens to all kind of music, but he's making death metal music. Brutal. He's got two records or maybe three. Uh, now he moved to to Quebec, to Canada. But I think in the he moved to in, uh, to Quebec in two thousand. Maybe twenty in the, in the late two thousand twenty, yeah. Maybe December or November. Uh, I got introduced to him by a friend. We talked about music, like we always do. We shared really many common things, like bands we like and stuff. And like the brotherhood stuff started. <laughs> yeah, I told him I want to record. A song he said okay just come and record it i tried to record it yeah we did it and stuff and then the first album came along he made the production and i was like oh my god that's okay <laughs> yeah let's do another one <laughs> uh-huh. the other one was played on seventh strings guitar like seven string guitar Schechter. Yeah, it was a tough, it was switching from six string to seven, like composing on six strings and recording on seven strings. 
like my fingers hated me so much. <laughs> <laughs> seriously <laughs> it must have been quite a quite a moment meeting Suhail like you were saying before about you know not not connecting with people and to find it difficult to find like-minded people it must have been uh quite significant to be introduced to this you know to this such a like-minded person yeah yeah i was like amazed he knows too much (laughs) (laughs) you 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 know a lot come on he was talking about amps guitars specs and i was like oh my god you know a lot teach me please Uh, brilliant And how's the relationship since he moved to Quebec? Do you, is he someone you talk to all the time? Are you still working together? Yeah, yeah, he's still my best friend. Um, uh, I send him some projects, like I record things. He makes master them there whenever he's free. Uh, I give space to people working with me, like uh, when you want that, whenever you want. Yeah. Like just, just. You know, don't be busy and do it in a hurry and in a rush. But do it whenever you're ready, whenever you feel okay. I can wait, you know. So something like that. But he's still my my producer. That's fantastic. Um, You were talking before about your um, concept album. And I want to come back to that a little Mm. bit, if if we could, please. Because we we started off... uh, kind of thinking about that idea of of uh composing a concept album and then picking a uh a, a, a subject of dante's inferno to to sit at the heart of it which you know people spend their lives studying that work <laughs> so can you yeah. th- talk talk a little bit about the motivation for that if you could well first i've watched the animation movie like first, like I was hooked. Like, like oh, that would be amazing if I, if I just read the story, you know. So I read the story, and uh, the amount of the details in this in that story was amazing. So uh, that the idea of the nine level of hell was mesmerizing. Like, oh my god. Oh, that's good. That's good for an album, you know? So <clears throat> when I sat down with the producer, I uh, I explained my idea and said, like, what do you think about a concept album? He was like, okay. So Dante's? Like, oh, hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the first riff came, uh, it wasn't like, Maybe I can say the first song I composed was the second track. I composed it over a video, a challenge video, a contest, uh, a contest made by a guitars company, and that uh, they said that compose the heaviest riff you can ever compose. I was like, okay, I composed the riff at home with my six strings beast, the one I showed you. Yeah, and then I went to my friend, the producer said like, we're gonna do this, let's, let's record it. I've recorded with the, 
with the custom the custom ESP Nurgle Nurgle custom signature yeah and uh, upload it when I upload the, uh, when, I, when I uploaded the one that one it was like uploading and I just you know got my entry and stuff the second day the producer called me said dude yeah let's make your whole album like that <laughs> now go <laughs> <laughs> so when making the whole album sounded like one it was hard like composing you want to make them make the atmosphere the same uh the album was made like the whole riffs made by me and the drums programmed by me the bass the bass guitar played by my friend Rodwan. he's from chiboli and he's an amazing bassist like beast uh the orchestra was made by uh, <clears throat> my friend Alokab Muhammad, and he's uh, from Tripoli as well. Uh, that dude played the solo too in the third track of the album. He's a beast of a guitarist, like really. Uh, the rest of the guys, like uh, Mustafa Darbi, made the solo there too. Uh, Mohammed Lavedi, my friend, he's from Benghazi. He's made the Wrath solo, by the way. Yeah, that track solo was made by him. It's great. <laughs> yeah, it's an amazing solo. And I was like, when I when I composed the riff, I was like, who's gonna play the solo over that? <laughs> it's tough. Yeah, <laughs> many key changes and stuff. So he nailed it. <laughs> he made that pretty good and and when you when people are collaborating with you on your music how much freedom do you give them to uh to in terms of what they what they play what they come up with do you give them a a pretty much free reign well i give them the freedom of the universe like they can do whatever they want yeah they just put your put your style in there and i'm happy because I know when I'm choosing one, I know what he's going to do. He's going to bring his best to the track. And I'm going to be amazed. And they never disappoint. Like, they're better guitars than me. So that's good. That's very, ge- <laughs> that's very generous. Uh, and, and, and I think you've teed up um, being, uh, you know, listening to um, Rath at the end of the podcast really nicely. But there is another track. That we're going to hear as well um called father you said a little bit about that at the beginning of the uh of the episode but could you talk a little bit about composing that because it feels like that would be a very different sort of composing for the way that you approach writing that song it was made as a classical piece at the beginning like i want it to be only one guitar and that's it so the death metal producer my friend <laughs> didn't want it to be empty like he put that you know like waves of oceans and stuff you know the whale sounds like you like you're standing in front of the ocean in the dark gray sky and you're nostalgic kind of yeah he made it feel like that so <clears throat> when i composed it I uh, 
it was a classical approach because I was playing a lot of Bach, a lot of Beethoven. Uh, I tried my best to make it me, like, like sound like me. And, uh, and I wish it sounds like me because <laughs> it's dedicated to the one who made me now. Mm. So yeah, it's kind of emotional, you know. And when you listen to it now, when you listen back to it, did do you feel like it captured everything that you wanted to say about your father? No, not enough words, not enough notes. I can I can play a like an eternity song for him, and you can't do him good. You know what I mean? Yeah, of course. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah. yeah. So, well, uh, uh, that really does set up the songs at the end of the podcast really nicely. But before before we go over and listen to them and and, uh, and let you go, can you tell us a little bit about your future plans? You said you're working on something new. <clears throat> yeah, working on the third album. And that is a really heavy death doom like the one before and a bit heavier. Yeah, and... Uh, the lyrics are going to be a mixture. I'm thinking of a concept, like making a concept album, but it's kind of hard to do. I'm, I'm into, uh, into a marriage plan. I'm building my own house, and the schedule is kind of tight. No, I'm playing guitar at night. <laughs> <laughs> like now. <laughs> 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 yeah, so when you're in the morning, it's kind of busy, afternoon busy, you know, like evenings kind of busy too. So I'm finding like three to four hours at night to to get inspiration, uh, to compose something, to make the drums. Uh, the The workflow is like making the drums, compose everything, and then record it like in one week like to sound exactly the same all the all the songs should sound exactly the same the same tuning the same thing you know now and now when i record i change strings like maybe three times maybe four times along other week so the sound should be good that's official release, you know. Yeah, I mean. of course. It, it sounds yeah. sounds like if you're lucky, you might be able to sleep in a couple of years' time, but but not in the, in the immediate future. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. <laughs> I I I barely sleep like four hours and four hours a day. Like I live twenty hours a day, <laughs> like awake. <laughs> yeah. Well, look, Jonathan, thank you so much for. Uh, come, coming on to the podcast it's oh, taken us a couple of goes to, to make it happen uh, but I'm really really yeah. glad that we did because it's been a genuine pleasure to speak to you and to hear your story and thank you for taking time to share it with us because it, I found it really I'm, fascinating I'm honoured I'm honoured really honoured like I'm honoured to be invited in your show really. well look come, right. well, maybe, maybe we'll connect with you again when your new album's finished and you can come and tell us how it's, how it's gone 
Yeah, I can send you. I can send you a version of it. Listen to it. Enjoy. Uh, it. <laughs> well, they'll t- definitely good. take you up on that. Thank you very much. Can we? Can we just uh, finish off, please? Can you introduce the two songs that people are going to hear now? Yeah, the one. The first one will be Father, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah, and the second one will be Wrath. wrath. What do you call it? Wrath. <laughs> 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 thanks, Jonathan. Yeah, thanks, Jonathan. Oh, yeah. Welcome, thank you, thank you. There is no place for you here. Not yet, no mortal. With your permission or not, I pass, monster! You 
dare so speak to the judge of the damned? I will. Please, I must save Beatrice, even if it means my death. Frigid wind 
Songs from a Padded Envelope is presented, produced, and edited by Steve Swindon and Ben Clay. Music is by state-sponsored Jukebox. Artwork is by Matt Canning. Songs from a Padded Envelope is a Hidden Hive production. (laughs) 